0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 6 at Kansas City Royals 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. Well, we made it. It's October baseball, Guardians fans. We made it. All right, it's not that October baseball. We still got to finish up the regular season here, and we start the six-game set against the Kansas City Royals with a nice, solid 6-3 win. I know, you know, the beginning of the game was a little slow. It took a little while for the Guardians offense to kind of come alive. You know, we've seen the Guardians, Guardians offense do it in different ways this season, right? Sometimes they jump on a team early. Sometimes it's the first, third, and fifth innings, right? They're putting up crooked numbers. This was the one where they kind of had to wait until the middle of the game, go through that lineup a couple of times, and uh, and then unload with one of their, you know, during... I made this joke earlier in this season, but during the Cavs season, the Cavs would have moments. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the basketball team, would have moments where some guys would come in off the bench and they were just unstoppable. They would put up, like... 15, 20 unanswered points and just suddenly run out this ridiculous lead or make this ridiculous comeback. And they called it a cavalanche. Great nickname. I loved it. Uh that's kind of what the Guardians did in this game. It, it was a Cavalanche. It was uh, it was just they bat through the lineup in the sixth inning, and it just for one inning, they just felt unstoppable, right? And uh man, five runs in one inning, that'll do it. That'll do it, especially when the bullpen is as locked in as this bullpen is. Even with new addition Cody Morris out there in the bullpen, moving from the starter role to the relief role where he was originally called up to be in. Uh the bullpen once again, unstoppable. Man, they haven't give up they haven't given up a run since Tuesday in extra innings. They haven't given up a run since extra innings on Tuesday. That's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Everybody in the Guardians lineup ends up with a hit on this one. One hit. Everybody gets one, and they all made a count, especially in that fifth and sixth inning. All right. So getting into the storylines of this game, I think we kind of got to go in chronological order because the storylines to start the game was Brady Singer was locked in to start the game, working his uh, two-seam sinker, slider combo mixed in what maybe four changeups there uh so yeah basically two pitches on this one 52 sinkers 36 sliders uh, a good whiff rate on that slider a 38% whiff rate on that slider a uh, 15 called strikes on that two seam sinker so it's a 30% total CSW on the day uh and yeah he was getting the strikeouts early uh, if we go to back to the Illustrator and we look at where strikeouts were located, he was really attacking uh, the glove side of the plate. He was attacking inside to the lefties and uh, sweeping across a slider. Of course, Oscar Gonzalez chased a slider down and away. You'll always have one of those in a game. Uh, he got Miles Straw chasing a slider down and away. He got Jose Ramirez on an inside slider, a tight inside slider. He got Austin Hedges frozen with a two-seamer on the uh. Outside edge. He got Quan frozen with a two seamer on the inside edge to the lefty. Uh, a little bit off the plate, but he gets the call. Uh, there were some, I think there were some strikes called last night that eh, might have been a little bit off the plate. And then he blows one uh, high past Andres Jimenez uh, in the second inning. I said this, we talked about this earlier in the season. If, if I'm trying to strike out Andres Jimenez, I'm definitely going high heat. And he gets him on a one two count, kind of blows a two seamer past him at the top of the strike zone. So uh, that's what was working for Brady Singer. Now on the other side of things, it's not that Savali was pitching bad. He just got into, you know, gave up a few home runs uh, in the, uh, where did they score their first run? They scored their first runs in the third inning. And unfortunately, an error um, by Gabriel Arias allows Michael Massey to reach After Nate Eden would line up, it would bring up Drew Waters. And uh, Waters would get, I believe it's on a, uh, let's take a look at the home runs here. I believe it's on a 2-2 count. Yes. In the third inning, 2-2 count, one out. He puts a cutter, frankly, right down the middle of the plate. I mean, this thing sits right dead center. And Waters hits this thing 107.8 miles per hour. uh, Puts it out into the seats in right field. So yeah, the young rookie Drew Waters, the former top prospect for the Atlanta Braves, who's now with Kansas City, gets a Savali cutter down the middle and doesn't miss it. Then in the fifth inning, it's a first pitch cutter to Michael Massey that's kind of up and in, and the lefty just jumps all over it. Uh, He was ready for that first pitch cutter, so the cutter not doing Savali any favors on the day, so Massey would hit that out for a solo home run. Now, if Savali's going to pitch in the playoffs, especially if we make it to that divisional round and he's pitching against the Yankees, you got to imagine the Yankees are going to hit some home runs. That's just what they do. Now, if he can limit the damage like this, it actually might be okay. His final line on the day is six innings pitched, only three hits given up, three runs, two earned, no walks from Savali, five strikeouts, Two home runs allowed on only 76 pitches. Remember, he's keeping Savali's uh, also coming back from injury, so his pitch count is down. But all the starters are kind of keeping their pitch count down right now, saving their arms for the playoffs. He only gives up five hard hit balls on 76 pitches, so it actually is it's a quality start for Savali, despite the two home runs. It actually was a pretty strong start from Savali. The curveball was working on him. So let's get clear these home runs out. Let's look at the strikeouts. And uh, he's got two strikeouts via the uh, the two-seamer. Uh, he gets a called strike on Drew Waters going up and in on the lefty. He gets a called strike on MJ Melendez going up and in on the lefty in the sixth inning. That one was a particularly nasty two-seamer. I mean, he really locks him up. But uh, earlier in the game, it's the curveball. He gets Bobby Witt Jr. swinging over a curveball in the first He gets MJ Melendez swinging over a curveball in the third on a 2-2 count. And he gets Michael Taylor swinging over a curveball in the fifth inning on an 0-2 count. It was a really nasty curveball. So you get why Melendez on a 2-2 count whiffs at a curveball. And then as a next at bat, he's absolutely locked up by a two-seamer on a 2-2 count because he's probably looking curveball. He knows that Savali has that nasty curveball. And so he gets absolutely frozen by a two-seam sinker right under the hands. I love when that two-seamer comes in right under the hands to the lefties. That is filthy from Savali. So despite the two home runs on the cutter, everything else was working, and it gives you a real quality start, and that's going to be key in the playoffs. I mean, we all love it if we get you know a perfect start in the playoffs, right? I mean, there have been very few. There have been a few. There have been a few no-hitters. Right in the playoffs, uh, I'm flashing back to the Phillies, and I'm totally blanking on his name. Poor guy. Um, but, anyways, we've seen no hitters in the playoffs before, and uh, that's—I mean, that's—that's that's the exception to the rule. What we're really looking for is a quality start. Set this team up, give them a chance, and that's exactly what you got from Savali in this one. He really set the Guardians up for a chance to win this game. Again, not a high whiff rate from Savali. He pitches the contact more than that, but uh, the curveball. I mean, they only put two curveballs in play. They whiff four times, one called strike, but they foul off six of them and only put two in play. One at fifty four point seven miles per hour and one at sixty nine point one miles per hour. So, yeah, the curveball was a really, really good pitch for Savali on the day. And I wanted to look. I was curious. Who has the best curveball between Savali, McKenzie, and Bieber? got me a little curious here. So there's a couple of different ways we can look at that. We can look at just total movement, and it might actually go to Savali. He's got 65.9 inches of vertical drop on the ball, 11.6 inches of horizontal movement on his curveball. McKenzie's curveball only drops 51.3 with 7.9 inches of horizontal movement. And Bieber's, uh, let's see here, his ball drops uh, 51.6 vertical inches of drop with 9.8 inches of horizontal movement. So, yes, yeah, Savali's ball does move the most of all the uh, curve balls that our starters throw. Uh, it's got a batting average of 190 against. It's got, uh, let me go back to Savali's here. So Savali's curveball has a batting average of 135 against, 270 slugging, an expected weighted on base of 198. Uh, McKenzie's has a batting average against of 113 with a 199 slugging and a 164 expected weighted on base percentage against. Uh, So even better, Bieber's. Has a 190 batting average against with a 279 slugging and a 231 expected weighted on base percentage. So uh I think by those numbers, McKenzie gets a point uh in on the scoreboard. Uh as far as whiff rate goes and put away rate, uh Savali's curveball has a whiff rate of 44 percent with a put away rate of 25.5. McKenzie's curveball has a whiff rate of 45.4 with a 31.8% put-away rate, and Bieber's has a whiff rate of 41 with a 25.7% put-away rate. So I think McKenzie gets another point in the column there just by a hair. And then the last thing I wanted to look at was run value. Now this, I was doing a little more research on run value, and it's very situational-based. So runners on base, pressure, high-leverage situations is going to change the run value Of These pitches the count runners on base and things like that. So it's not a perfect head-to-head comparison because every pitcher finds himself in different situations, but I'm going to look at the run value divided by a hundred. So basically it doesn't matter how many times each one of them has thrown the curveball. This kind of evens the playing field to just a hundred pitches the average of a hundred pitches. So uh, Savali's curveball despite being so effective only has a run value of uh run value divided by 100 of -0.3 remember for pitchers you want this to be on the minus side uh -0.3 mckenzie's run value per 100 for his curveball is -1.6 and Bieber's run value minus uh per 100 on his curveball is -1.5 so i think uh yeah mckenzie wins again so i guess Savali might have the most movement on his curveball, but McKenzie wins clearly on our scoreboard for the nastiest curveball of all the starters, uh, of our three starters that really throw their curveballs effectively. Uh, So that was a fun little comparison there. We learned a little bit about curveballs. We learned a little bit about run value. Um, All right, so let's jump back into this game because the storyline is about to flop. It goes from these pitchers kind of kind of dominating to start the game, pitching very well. Yeah, he gives up the two home runs, I know, but like we said, a quality start. And then things start to unravel for Brady Singer. Uh, We get into this fifth inning here. He gives up a nice hard single to Andres Jimenez in the fifth inning, 105 mile per hour exit velocity, a real shot from uh, Andres Jimenez, uh, a ground ball in the left field. Uh, So good job by Jimenez kicking off the inning. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez would ground out to third. Uh, Andres Jimenez would move up to second, though. It was kind of a slow chopper uh, on the infield where the third baseman had to charge in. Couldn't really turn and throw across his body to second. Had to just go to first and get the out. So he does move up Jimenez to second. And that sets up Will Brennan with a nice, easy single right back up the middle, a nice line drive at 83.5, just shoots it right back up the middle of the field, and it's just, man, how can you take Will Brennan's bat out of the lineup at this point? Uh, Quan was DHing on the day, which means Brennan got to play left field, and I just don't see how you could set your lineup at this point. Brennan has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, he's hitting... Uh, on the season now. And yeah, it is a small sample size, but he's hitting 333 with a 733 OPS. The dude is a contact machine. He's on base twice in this game once via walk, once via hit. He's doing, he's pulling all these plays out of the Stephen Kwan playbook. I mean, very similar bat profile. Just how could you not want this guy in your lineup? I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work. Does Gonzalez DH and Brennan get the play right field? Do you just DH Brennan? Uh, it's going to be really interesting, but how could you not want his bat in your lineup? So they put across a run there, making a three-run game, three-to-one game. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be one of those games where the Guardians are just going to have to scratch and claw their way back into this thing. One run at a time, one little rally, some good base running, some aggressive base running. You know, Jimenez does make an aggressive play here, breaking for home. Uh, they throw home, but he beats it by you know by a step or two. Uh, There's actually, it's an interesting exchange between Jimenez and uh, Salvador Perez, because how many times do you see the catcher for the opposing team kind of pat a guy on the back for beating him to home plate? It was, Salvador Perez, I I can imagine that these guys have connected, whether it's been, I don't know, if was Perez on the All-Star team this year? Uh, Whether they connected that way, or just, you know, obviously know each other through other channels. But uh, clearly, there's a friendship there between Perez and Andres Jimenez. And it looked, it was very much like a big brother congratulating a little brother for scoring a run on him. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just an interesting exchange. You don't see it very often between an opposing catcher and an opposing base runner. Uh, So then we come up in the sixth inning. And now it's Quan's turn to lead things off with a single. Um, He gets us rolling, he shoots a ground ball through into left field. So two rallies in a row kicked off with ground balls from lefty shot through to the opposite side. Gabriel Arias tries to lay down a sacrifice bunt here. Once again, we've got somebody replacing uh, Ahmed Rosario in the lineup. The shortstop, if you're playing shortstop, apparently you're hitting second. That's just the rule. Uh, He wrote shortstop and the two-hole in permanent marker. Can't be erased. So whoever's playing that day is batting second. Um, So Arias batting behind Kwan. Lay, tries to lay down a sack blunt. Uh Brady Singer jumps off the mound to the third base side to field it. Kind of makes a lazy throw to first. Almost lollipops the throw over to first. And for some reason, the first baseman is stuck behind the bag. I, I've never seen Pasquatino uh, is stuck standing behind the bag to receive the throw. And Arias steps on his glove. And knocks the ball out of his hand. He, he, Arias doesn't do anything wrong. He's just running to the base. Um, I, honest to God, don't understand how Singer makes this, you know, looping throw, and how the first baseman ends up behind the bag. It just none of it makes any sense to me. But for some reason, Arias steps on the glove, knocks the ball out of his hand, and he's safe at first base. I mean, Pasquotino literally drops his glove. So, yeah, sack bunt turns into runners on first and second, and now Jose Ramirez is up. I was actually curious about the sack bunt, because you know they would have just walked Jose Ramirez, okay, sets Naylor up with runners on first and second, but you kind of took the bat out of Jose Ramirez's hand there. Uh, Yeah, you stay out of a double play, yeah, you move Quan into scoring position, yeah, you're trying to get one run at a time in this game, but now you've got it set up, first and second for Jose Ramirez. And, oh, what an at-bat this would be. This is probably the moment you've been waiting for, uh, waiting for me to get to. Brady Singer against uh, against uh, Jose Ramirez, and uh, it is not going to work out in Brady Singer's favor. Uh, let me pull up the right Jose Ramirez at-bat here. So he decides to attack him with all backdoor sliders. I I don't know why here. All backdoor sliders Misses away with one down at the thighs. Misses away again with another one down at the thighs. Gets him to swing over one down below the knees that comes back more middle of the plate. Then goes back away with another slider. This one he raises back up to the thighs. This one comes back over the strike zone this time. And Jose Ramirez absolutely destroys it. 104.4 mile per hour exit velocity. 27 degree launch angle. 404 feet, way up into the seats in right field, a monster three-run home run that gives the Guardians a 4-3 to lead, and it's exactly what Kansas City did not want to see happen. Why? Why did you throw him four sliders in a row in the exact same location? What was the game plan there to make it obvious what you were throwing him? You don't mix one high two seam sinker into that at bat. You don't mix in one changeup, maybe to throw the spin off the ball a little bit. Four sliders in a row. I'm look okay, at. Thank you, thank you, Brady Singer. I appreciate it. Jose Ramirez appreciates it. But what was the plan there? So Jose Ramirez, absolutely another clutch, clutch moment for Jose Ramirez. I believe he's now tied for tenth in franchise history with home runs. Uh, do I got that right? I believe it was with Al Rosen, and uh, he's he's catching up on Travis Hafner, who was holding the nine spot, uh, for franchise home runs, and which is hard to believe. Actually, he's gonna blow past Travis Hafner. I mean, you remember Pronk was just hit, hitting monster bombs in the mid two thousands, and Jose Ramirez is about to pass him. Not this season, probably, or by hopefully through April next season, he might catch up. So uh, yeah, it's a huge moment for Jose Ramirez, but the Guardians were not done there. Uh, they would keep this rally going, and like I said, they'd bat through the lineup in this sixth inning. A uh, naylor with a monster double, he shoots one down the right field line, 108.2 miles per hour. Jimenez would line out to left field. Oscar Gonzalez would line out to left field. They both make solid contact, but uh, you know they they hit catchable balls. Uh, So, two outs now. Naylor is stranded at second base. Will Brennan withdraw a walk? Brings up Austin Hedges, who gets a high fastball, and he uncorks on it, 107.1 miles per hour off the wall, off the high wall in left field. Uh, In other ballparks, this is definitely a home run, but in Cleveland it goes high off that 19-foot wall. It brings in Josh Naylor to score. Uh, Brennan, I don't know if he ends up on second or third on this one. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Brennan moves up to third. Of course, he's aggressively running the bases. Uh, Hedges has to hold at first. So we got runners on the corner, and it brings up Miles Straw, and he also gets a high fastball. High and outside a little bit, and he shoots it back up the middle at 97.6. I love that approach. Give me a fastball up and away. Shoot it back up the middle or to the right side. Uh, This time up the middle, and it brings in Brennan to score, and it completes they around, and they do bat around because quan comes up to the plate. I'm a stickler on this. If the first guy in the inning does not come back up and have an at-bat, you did not bat around. If, if Straw had made the last out, you had batted through the lineup to bat around the lineup. That guy has to come back up to the plate. I'm a stickler on this. We've gotten into the discussions during old man softball games. That's the way I see it. So uh, they do bat around the lineup. Quan unfortunately strikes out to end the rally. But, I mean, just a monster rally here. Five runs come across the score. And at this point, uh, I mean, we're set up. Savali has done his job. He gave you six quality innings. The offense has done their job. They've given six runs up on the board. They gave you a three-run lead. He goes to Cody Morris out of the bullpen. Not Henches, not Eli Morgan, not Stephen. He goes to Cody Morris in the seventh inning. And not only does Cody Morris pitch the seventh inning, he pitches the seventh and the eighth inning. Gets two strikeouts. What were his strikeouts on? Uh, his strikeouts came via fastballs at the knees. He called strike, locks up Oliveris, and uh, a swinging strike blows one pi- past Michael Massey on a full count. Just blows one by him at the knees. Uh, He was locating that fastball kind of everywhere. Uh, He was very much leaving the cutter and the changeup to the arm side of the plate, throwing inside cutters uh, there, uh, but throwing the fastball to all four quadrants pretty much. And uh, the fastball was really effective for him on the day. Uh, Man, Cody Morris, how how do you keep him off the playoff roster? He has really been good. Since being called up. And he's got a 42% CSW on that four-seam fastball. Two whiffs and three called strikes. Uh, So a nice job by him. Giving two innings out of the bullpen. That's solid work from Cody Morris. Who clearly has been stretched out as a starter. So he's got the arm to do it. I was actually surprised his fastball velocity was down a mile per hour. uh, Over his yearly average. You think usually a guy comes out of the bullpen. He could put a little more mustard on it knowing he's not going to go as deep in the game, only going to throw 22 pitches. But no, his velocity was actually down just a little bit. And then Classe comes in in that ninth inning. And, of course, you give him a 6-3 lead in the ninth inning, he is going to shut things down. 40th save on the season. He gets two strikeouts. His slider was particularly nasty. Three whiffs, two called strikes. It's a 50%. CSW on the slider. The three they made contact with, they fouled off. They couldn't even put one slider in play. And uh, where did both his strikeouts come? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. We'll find out they both come via the slider. Yep, sliders down and away. Gets Salvador Perez to chase down there to end the game. Before him, it was Bobby Witt Jr. on a 3-2 count going out of the strike zone, chasing that slider. So, Great job by the bullpen once again to put zeros up on the board. And, man, it turns into a really fun Guardians win. MVP on the day, i got to go with Jose Ramirez. That three-run home run was just the shot that everybody needed. Everybody who was chilly in their winter gear in the ballpark needed that big home run. The offense needed that big home run. Savali needed that big home run. Gives the Guardians the 4-3 to three lead. Just a classic Jose Ramirez moment uh, off of Brady Singer there in the sixth inning. So, for the monster three-run home run, Jose Ramirez has taken home MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. I told you we're still going to break down the games. I know you're excited for the playoffs to start, but we've got to finish this thing. Uh, we do have our playoff... Uh, Field set. We don't have the positioning yet, but we do have the field set officially. Um, Toronto, Seattle, and Tampa Bay have all clinched their wild card positions. Baltimore has been officially eliminated from playoff contention. Um, So we now we've got to shuffle around the positioning and see where these teams end up. They all won yesterday, so it stays the same right now. We would face Tampa Bay in the first round, but it's a half game. And, hey, Seattle's only a game and a half behind Toronto. So Seattle still has a chance to host that home, that first round, as being the top wild card team. Right now, obviously, it would be in Toronto. Those games would be played in Toronto. So uh, a lot can still happen over five games, which is why these games matter. For us, we just want to see that our guys are staying sharp and that they're still playing hard. They're still running the bases hard, still playing aggressively, still pitching aggressively, and that's exactly what they're doing. I mean... Wouldn't you love to just go into the playoffs on a ridiculous win streak? Like, just keep it going. Just keep the good vibes going in progressive field. Okay, it's going to be really hard to win six straight against a team. It is. So if Kansas City sneaks up and gets one, don't be surprised. But let's keep being aggressive just like we were in this game. Let's keep playing hard. Let's keep racking up those wins. Uh, Let's break that 90-win mark. We're now at 89-68 and on the season, so let's do it. Let's smash that 90-win mark and uh, really finish this thing up strong before those wildcard games start. So, uh, Savali on the mound in this one, which means we got Plesak going tomorrow. His return uh, from injury, who knows what we're going to get from Plesak. I actually think I heard that his AAA or his rehab appearance went really well So And then we line up the rotation for the uh, finale. It's going to be Bieber pitching on Sunday, and then McKenzie and Quantrill coming back to start the week against Kansas City. It's going to be really strange to face these guys six times in a row. Um, All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, where we'll continue to break down the games. Because it's the Guardian 6, the Royals 3, and I love baseball. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barrios. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the playoff roster. I know The Athletic has been running articles. I know The Selby has Godcasted a long episode about it. I'm sure you have thoughts on the playoff roster. Now there's all these possibilities with who can take Anthony ghost's spot because he's on the I.L., um, so there's tons of possibilities out there for who can make the roster. Let me know. Email me, Mornings at gmail.com, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.